everyone feels it. Even like repeat entrepreneurs when they launch something that people don't really instantly want or understand, everyone feels like a failure at this time. But I think people are in the same situation and they bounce back. So that's also motivated me to like keep pushing. Hi everyone, you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I am joined today by Anto, who is co-founder and CEO of Largo. And Largo is an open source usage-based billing tool um, that is really popular. I think Anto is probably going to share some really cool update about how popular it is. Uh, But thanks so much, Anto, for joining. Really excited to speak with you. Thanks, Jack, for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, I was just telling you, like, we launched on Hacker News two weeks ago, and I didn't realize it. But when I was writing, like, a new content for Lago, I looked at the past, like, um, launch during the past 12 months, and it's, like, the most popular launch, like, of the past year. So we were, like, quite excited, um, a little bit proud, I would say, because, like, you know, we, we pivoted eight months ago, so everything Lago, everything you see about Lago right now has eight months. So we work really, really hard on this pivot. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So I guess like, could you tell us a bit about Largo and like also following on, like how you kind of did so well? Yeah, sure. So we're a team of um, early employees of a fintech unicorn called like Conto. For those who don't know about it, it's like uh, a massive like SMB banking solution, uh, like $5 billion valuation. I was the first employee in VP Growth. I own revenue there. And like um, most of the team like are early employees as well. So Lego started in summer 21. We wanted to do zero to one together. So it really, really extended really out of the team. And we like the same like areas, like B2B SaaS, FinTech, uh, data. For some reasons, we wanted to apply to Y Combinator and we didn't have a product. We got in. I had another idea of a product. So it was like no code reverse ETL. Uh, long story short, like we shipped during YC, we started monetizing what we learned. So we learned a lot of things, but I would say like mainly like three things so the first thing is um it it wasn't going to be a big market um because we took the no-code approach like the wedge was to serve like marketers with data what we learned and everything seems always obvious in hindsight but what we learned is when a company grows um it's only the data engineering team or the engineering team that like really do like data transformation like in a like reliable way so the no-code angle isn't really a wedge anymore. So we needed to find another one. So that broke our, like, I was really, like, into no-code at this time. So we felt like what we shipped is great. Like, people are paying, but we're not sure it's going to be a huge company. And as we were working, like, so hard, we felt like if we work so hard, we want a shot at being, like, big. So we felt like maybe it's not the right angle. And also the second thing we learned was that, you know, we were synchronizing data from point A to point B. But we were not like producing any like important data that doesn't exist in another system. We were just like something like to transmit an existing data. So we felt like to be a massive company, what's important in the value chain might be like to produce a data that like other systems don't have and want to connect to. And that's also what made like being exciting to us 
in the sense that when everyone wants to be behind the source of truth of everything, but when you produce like this important data and other like tools or systems rely on it, then you're like de facto the, the source of truth and the hub. So that's one thing we, we find like super exciting about billing. And the third thing is that I forgot to mention was, is that when we started monetizing, we had a hybrid pricing. So subscription and monthly active rows. And I really struggled with Stripe billing to build that. And I know like our current team at Lago, they built like the homegrown billing system of um, the previous fintech called like Conto from day one to series D. And now they're like more than a dozen like engineers like maintaining this system. So quite naturally, I asked our engineers, hey, can you help me with like automating billing because like it's a pain right now. And they told me, yeah, Stripe billing doesn't handle that. So we might like, uh, we build it or at least like we build the data pipelines to send the, the final result to Stripe and we don't have time because like we're shipping products. So there's no, there's no real solution. And so we bumped into like this billing issue again. I think at the time we, we didn't like have, so the conviction around like open source as the only solution to solve the, the billing uh, challenges like built over time. When we were at, at this previous company, we were always wondering why is billing such a pain point? Like so many companies like building their homegrown billing system. No engineer likes to write this code. Um, and it's really hard to retain engineers, to have engineers who have experience on billing and to retain them. Um, so we really wondered, like, is it like, why isn't it solved already? And like, our conclusion was that there's no solution uh, because each billing is specific. So you either like build it yourself like we did, or you like uh, keep the things manual and you try to keep like, um, you know, the cost down. So you, you, you probably like export or like outsource this to some countries where like, um, where, where it's cheaper to do things manually. So that was the conclusion. But as we were like, um, like uh, operating like this first company run data and we were at YC, I think we've been like exposed to a lot of open source companies and like slowly, but really strongly, we built the conviction that we're like, wow, maybe it's open source that's going to solve it because the situation doesn't make sense right now. And maybe you're wondering why open source changes it. And when was the aha moment? I'm not sure when was the aha moment. I think it was like progressive, but we thought like maybe open source like brings three things. The first thing is like, um, it, it, it builds trust faster with engineers. I think one of the things with billing is you have to build in a cave during three years and then you release a product that is complete and people can trust you. I think we, we thought we didn't want to do this because like, it's very risky. Like the thing is like you need to find product market fit. You really find out about like how your product is used when you have a product. So we wanted to ship as soon as possible. So as soon as we had something to show on GitHub, we just opened the repo. So we took like two months uh, to build the first iteration of Flago and ship the alpha version. And we opened it uh, in June last year. The good thing with open source is that you can, everything can build in, can build in public, but, but when you build in public in open source, like people can look at your code and start like commenting it, iterating it and build like trust around it. So in terms of time to adoption and time to trust, like it's much shorter. And also the second thing we, we like so much about open source is like extensibility. So one thing is 
people are rebuilding entire building systems right now because they have specific needs, but there are a lot of needs that are common to a lot of companies. So do you really need to rebuild like probation? Do you really need to handle dates, different time zones, coupons, credit notes? Like all these things are common to a lot of companies. So what we're building with LAGO is like a primitives that engineers can use and build on top of them. So, and because like it's open source, they can look under the hood and like more easily build on top of them. So they don't have to build like the common core, like building system that everybody like needs. They just build the specificities. So that's also what, what open source brings to us. And the third thing is scalability. So like as we can be used on-prem, so we have a cloud version that can be used like as any cloud version, like closed or open source. And we also have an on-prem version. And so that like people who want to keep like control and like scale their infrastructure can do it like as they want. They have a full control over it. So we feel like the the what open source brings to this specific issue is exactly what we didn't we, we hadn't thought of it before and we wish we had, but like slowly, I don't know like how, but at Y Combinator, because we were like, we looked at a lot of business model, a lot of companies, like it like with the conviction was really strong within the team. And that's how we like decided to pivot. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's amazing to hear the journey about it, <laughs> and, like, how you kind of got there. It's always the best exciting businesses that come out of like the pain point that you felt. And even the pivot was like, you were experiencing it again. Yeah, we knew about the pain, but we didn't find an approach that like really solved the pain. So we really, we really opinionated on the fact that no closed source SaaS is going to solve like billing. Like the fact that during all these years, people continue to build like billing systems and don't like it is like shows that. So yeah, we, we really like a really different approach to solve this problem. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that that is kind of, was it the resonance that allowed, you know, your launch to be so popular? Do you think, do you think that was the main reason? I think, to be honest, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> you don't know. So I think it works. I don't you, know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing. I think when it fails, like it's easier to analyze why it failed but when it works, sometimes you don't really know why. But I think one fun fact maybe would be that in like around March, April, when we were like looking at billing, but without like the like big conviction that we were like going to do it, we were still like in the like pivot like trenches. My co-founder wrote an article about like um, the title was "Billing Systems Are Still a Nightmare for Engineers," and he just listed like maybe like seven or nine pain points. And he posted it on Hacker News. It was his first post on Hacker News. He barely knew like what Hacker News was. He posted it there. And and then he went to have a beer. And <laughs> and we felt like, you know, it's going to be the post that has one point and like nobody sees. And then like, it was like number one during 48 hours. And we had like maybe like 300 or 400 comments. Um so I, I like to, to bring him like in again and ask him, hey, have me like reply to the comments. And the, the response was so like strong that we felt like it's really an unsolved problem. So we really need like to like investigate it more. So maybe that's what that was like the first post that raised, raised awareness about LAGO. We also kept the same name during the 
uh, during the pivot. So that has like pros and cons, but at least we had the continuity of the name. Um, so we, I think we started like building awareness at, uh, a bit like ahead. Also, we, we wrote a lot of content. So we wrote like maybe 60 posts, like more. So maybe like four or five like did well. Um, so we went in a series of posts. So there was this first post super popular. And then like there was like the, the value of death, like of post. So we kept writing, nobody cared. And we felt like, okay, maybe we got lucky once. Maybe it's not that big of a deal or things like that. But I think we persisted. And like when we had like this like bunch of successful posts, we felt like, yeah, we, we, you just need to have a routine and like keep trying and keep pushing. And at some point it's normal that out of 60 posts, like if five are really, really successful, maybe that's the ratio you should expect. Um, and you, you shouldn't expect like that every post is super successful. So that helped us as well, like maybe be more like calm or like posed when we see a post that doesn't like succeed. We try to learn from it. It still hurts a bit, to be honest. But <laughs> but yeah, maybe one message would be like, not all the posts are going to be super successful. That's okay. You need, you need to keep pushing until you find one and try to replicate that. So, so yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that message. And I, I like your, what you mentioned off air about like what makes a good post. I think yeah. you have like a kind of a theory on it. Yeah. So we, we try like auto promotion. Like, I mean, it's obvious, but it doesn't work that well, especially on hacking you. It's like you, are going to be flagged straight away. Like the, the crowd there is like amazing, smart, a bit fierce <laughs> about like auto-promotion. Um, so I would try to avoid that. So we tried anyway, it didn't, didn't work. What works super well is like, I think everyone knows about billing, um, knows that billing is a pain point, but there's a lack of, I think, a lack of like content that really explains like why or that really goes deep into the concepts. So we we now our angle is to write about like building problems, how we solve them, and also we spend a lot of time like explaining why it's a problem, like with a lot of details. Um, and there was a gap in the market for that, um, and and I think these are like the most successful posts. So I think that can be applied to a lot of like areas. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I would just reconfirm that uh, auto promotion doesn't work on high levels. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just explaining, like you were talking about explaining really hard things, um, doing hard things, explaining them in, in a lot of detail, um, especially when it's missing, like you said, in billing. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, and one of the things that you've kind of also mentioned is this challenge where like a lot of the competitor for you is like people doing it themselves, um, in a way. And I'd love to hear like how you've been approaching that. Yeah, so we one of the great things is we were this team that built everything ourselves and so we're like the persona. Um I think when we opened the repo, we had like adoption from and demand for from later stage companies like Series C, Series D, who built themselves and had a lot of pain points. So for some of them, we didn't have the whole feature set yet. But what we 
thought is like there's a, a gap in the market for that. Like these people are not going to go for closed source and they're like fed up with like building everything themselves. They don't want to hire additional engineers to handle that. So it co- it confirmed our hypothesis. Um, and also we were like fortunate enough to have a fit with uh, one company called um, Lydia that um, does Venmo for Europe. They have 5 million users, so we see... Um, and they were like looking for a solution like Lago. Uh, and like two months after we opened the repo, they inspected our code. They started doing pull requests and, 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 and yeah, and they chose Lago. So that, that was really like uh, a good sign, a good signal for us. And we felt like if like we're just starting and if like it resonates that much, then of course we need to like, ship more things because like feeling a billing is complex and then we, we've been like working days and nights at our shipping product to like reach feature parity but that confirmed the, the demand and the approach like very early on um and also we 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 launched the first product and we didn't have the same like demand when we launched it like the product we launched at yc so we are, we also saw the difference. But there was like that was a whole new like uh, stage of demand. Um, so so yeah, like yeah, we would try like several things, and uh, yeah, that was a good um, non-official launch. We're still in beta today, so yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and how have you like kind of when you get someone interested in the open source project, like how do you think about the kind of transition from like someone that uses it. Um, in an open source sense and then someone that kind of brings it becomes a customer um, and that sort of stuff yeah so so we opened the repo eight months ago and we started um, testing monetization three months ago we already have like users in production and paying users I think right now it's so sometimes we have like people like signing up and just like testing everything themselves and, and they want to use the free product and that's totally fine and we're like really happy with that. Um, and what we are like, we started selling and uh, it's early days, but we really wanted to prove that people would pay is like um, a premium. So we have premium plans. It's basically open core. So we have premium plans with like premium features, uh, premium support and hosting you can you can decide to have like the premium features and premium support without hosting so on-prem um so we sell like these premium plans uh i think the conversation is very natural uh very rich we only handle inbound at the moment so they reach out on slack on twitter like any like channel is good and we have a conversation and we have we always try to help even if it's um even if they are using the free product and sometimes uh, and we're grateful for the contributions as well. And sometimes they, they go from the free to the paying, uh, like really organically as well. So yeah, I would say like for now, like it's inbound demand and very organic um, uh, motion. I'm wondering if it applies to other dev tools, but I think like billing, it's an existing need. So we are not like building another like need, like it's been like they need to build people. And also they're used to paying. So it's not like we're not creating a new use case and like they're, not, they're wondering if they should pay for that. So maybe that makes that all very much more organic than for other like dev tools that might be in, on this podcast. Yeah, true, true. And I guess it's like the closer you are to like the revenue, it's kind of 
easier in a way to like you know it's it's a percent on money you earn i guess i would imagine Awesome. Um, yeah, actually, that's one of the things we hated when we looked at um, bidding solutions. Um, so we hated the fact that bidding solutions took a cut on revenue because we think it makes sense for payments because like your risk, yeah, yeah you, you work more if like you you make like more money, like move from a place to another, there's more risk. But for bidding, it's actually a data a challenge. It's a data solution. Uh, it's a SaaS. It's software. So, so we, yeah, we, we like as any company, we're like thinking of pricing every day and trying to find like what the fair point is. But one thing we really don't want to do is like take a cut on revenue because like that's when we were like users of bidding solution or try to be users of external bidding solutions, we felt like that makes no sense. And I hate it. It's like rent seeker pricing. And we wrote uh, like one of the, our successful posts on Hacker News was about like Stripe that has like, they have 21 products and a lot, I'm surprised because like a lot of founders and like brilliant people don't know about it. So they have like 21 products. If you use Stripe, like, to get paid, you probably use three or four products. So you would use like Stripe bidding, Stripe payments, Stripe invoicing, Stripe data. And each has a different like pricing. And usually it's a cut on revenue. And like and the cuts on revenue add up. And a lot of like people don't know about it. And and there's also a whole locking into this ecosystem. So for instance, if you use Stripe bidding, you can usually only use one payment processor. And unsurprisingly, it's Stripe payments. So let's say you expand to India. Okay, that's Stripe in India, but it's not the strongest payment processor. You want to use, I don't know, Razorpay, for instance, the strongest like payment processor there. You can't do it if you use Stripe bidding. So there's also this like lock-in that we that we resented and that we wanted like to address and um, and that we're addressing with Lago. So it's like open source, but also the philosophy is to be open to all the different like uh, tools of the revenue stack. Yeah. Well, it's like you're kind of like, it's like someone asked ChatGPT to come up with like the perfect hacker news company where you're like, you're open source, <laughs> you're doing like really fair stuff, like it's payment solving a really hard problem. So yeah, it's, that's awesome. <laughs> I haven't tried ChatGPT to write posts yet. I should maybe, but I'm, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing. People, yeah. People are already doing that, I guess. Yeah. 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 Because I guess like Stripe was so popular on like Hacker News on all their stuff. And then you're like, even you're doing all the things like a lot more like in a way that developers appreciate. Um, so. Yeah, actually, uh, I think there's an inflection point on Stripe. If you look at like the posts on Stripe on Hacker News, there are a lot of like mixed feelings about them as well. So, you know, so yeah, yeah it's like with, mixed um, feeling at the moment, you know. Hmm. Percent increases and stuff like that exactly yeah yeah um that's really really interesting and uh i guess like one kind of like more open question is you know you've had a lot of experience this i know you do also like a lot of like angel investing and stuff like that what is there any stuff that you think that is like a really big focus for you as a as a company um that you think is really important and the, the best you know, founders and dev tools are doing? Oh, that's a broad question. I think one thing I learned by angel investing is you 
everyone has a so some people have all the stars aligned since the beginning. That's how you get like explosive, explosive growth from like day two. That's that happens to some people, and that's great. And that means that they were smart, but that that hardworking. That also means they were at the right time at the right moment. So they created luck at the right time at the right moment. But if you're not in this like zero point like zero 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 one percent of people, that doesn't mean you can succeed and maybe the story of like so my first angel investment was like hugging face at the like seed and it was like a b2c company like an ai firm nobody understood that i was like really so my thesis was um the technology is amazing and the second like thing i thought about was so maybe with all this data, they can do something cool afterwards because, like, I don't know, like, they can, like, make it, anonymize it and, like, uh, then, like, I don't know, repackage it in a way that is, like, both, like, respectful of privacy and I don't know. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but, but the second, like, part of my thesis was wrong. But the first part about the technology was good. Um but they took like a few years to get to to, to get to pivot to B two B, and I remember during the first years, like nobody quite understood what they did. Like AI wasn't cool. They said like a very very tiny and hardworking team, like of five people. I think it was like I think they had a lot of fun working on that, but like nobody understood. No, very few people understood that, and it was very inspiring to me to see how big it became now. How like people like really like it now it's very popular like they're like geniuses i think they have always been geniuses but at the time like they were like yeah people didn't get it so it's really inspiring to me to see like these success stories as well that's what i I was fortunate to like witness as well so when we like launched the first product it was like massive growth and we felt like I, I was thinking it's okay. I, I've seen that, and some people have become successful after that, and sometimes they have not. But like, I mean, it's part of a journey, so it helps you as well. Like, have perspective on that. It still, it still hurts, like for sure. Like, like you, you, you feel like a failure. Like everyone feels it, even like repeat entrepreneurs when they launch something that people don't re- instantly want or understand. Everyone feels like a failure at this time. But I feel like. I feel like I've seen it, like I've seen people in the same situation and they bounce back. So that's also motivated me to like keep pushing. So yeah, I think like that's one of the main things like, yeah, about like pivoting and finding product market fit. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really inspiring to hear. And like, yeah, from hugging face as well. It's like a really amazing first investment. It was a Tamagotchi, like imagine that, like, um, and the NLP like technology wasn't as good as today. So yeah, like the, it was like years ago. So yeah, like it wasn't obvious. So. And now like everything, like they look like obvious and stuff, but they like, persisted so much. I have so much respect for what they did that, yeah, I think yeah. When you see that company at an, at an early stage, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Maybe like, are they going to persist until they find something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really important point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that's all we've got time for, um, unfortunately, because awesome. it's amazing. Um, <laughs> if you had one takeaway, uh, 
from the conversation, what do you think would be? Yeah, maybe about content, because that's the main way people find us today, find Lago. So maybe the learnings were that, as I said, like we posted like maybe like 60 posts and maybe five were successful. So I would say like just like um, have the right expectation of success for content is also a good way to not get like discouraged and just give up because like it can be like a bit like depressing when you see that, but having the right expectation makes it like easier like to push through. Um, and I said that maybe the second thing is like, we produce a lot of content, but at the beginning we were like pretty bad at distributing it like the right way uh, on the right channels and like um, at the right time. And we also iterated on it. So I think also a lot of people produce content, but like don't think too much about distribution or like maybe give up too early on the content that took like a lot of efforts to produce. So I'd say like maybe that's the second thing uh, like we learned and we want to focus on as well. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, if people want to learn more about Largo or about yourself, where could they learn more? On Twitter. We also, uh, I mean, on the website, we are like everywhere. Like, you can join our Slack. Like, yeah, we, we will respond on any channel. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, I've got me. to say like, um, yes, I'm really, really excited. I feel like it's, I mean, it's such a huge, huge opportunity in the space you're in, and it's, I really love the approach. So really excited, and thanks so much for joining. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.